Nobody makes it easier to stay on top of all of your health concerns than Meridian Medical Services. Hey, it's JMV. Call them today, 317-925-0811, and schedule your heart screening. I know my situation. You should, too. Make the call. It is affordable. It is easy, and you will know. 317-925-0811. Nobody's more affordable. Nobody's easier than Meridian Medical Services. Call them today, 317-925-0811. The voice of Purdue basketball and, of course, part of the Purdue Football Radio Network as well. It is Rob Blackman that joins us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Happy holidays, my friend. How you doing? Hey, Greg. Happy holidays to you. And, yes, uh, you beat Jay Query to the punch this time, so well done. Well done. Did, did, he, did he text you after uh, I text you for today's show? I, uh, as soon as I saw that you had reached out to me first, I, I uh, blocked all of his calls. <laughs> so I don't even know if he's tried to reach me. You're probably better off uh, with, with that being the case for a multitude uh, of reasons. Good <laughs> holiday break for you and the family? Yeah, it actually has been kind of nice. Uh, you know how college basketball works, especially once the calendar turns January 1. It's, uh, it's pretty much nonstop right up until hopefully late in March or early April. So, yes, I've tried to enjoy the last couple of days of downtime and uh, try to try to recharge the batteries a little bit here. What has this run been like? Because let's face it, you know, Purdue has accomplished so many great things from November 1 to, say, March 20th the last couple of years. But, for example, A, you got to go to Maui, and then B, uh, you got to go to, obviously, Honolulu instead this year. But you'll beat number 11, number 7, number 4 on back-to-back days. You beat number one in front of a packed house in, in Indy. And and I even admit that I've been kind of a jerk about this, saying ah, I'm, I'm not sweating until they get to March. But, dude, the non-conference run that Matt's team has had has been fantastic. What has that been like for you to be a part of yet again this year? Yeah, not and not just the wins, which, of course, make it all the better, but the fact that uh, – you know, guys like Zach Eady and Braden Smith have been playing at such a high level against the, the premier competition. Uh, that's also made it, you know, from an inter- entertainment value, that has really just uh, made it icing on the cake. Uh, but, yes, when you think about the run Purdue is on, and the, the numbers now are starting to become historical, Greg, in a lot of ways. I mean, if Purdue wins on Friday night against Eastern Kentucky, uh, that'll be three straight years without <laughs> losing a regular season non-conference game. I mean, that, that is unheard of, especially when you look at Purdue's schedule this year. Right. Uh, if there ever was a time to lose a non-conference a regular season game, it would have been this year. Uh, so you think about that. You think about Purdue's been in the AP top five now for, I think it's 24 straight weeks or something like that. I mean, oh my gosh, in the top five, not the top 25, the top five in the country uh, for 24 straight weeks if you date back to, to last year. So, yeah, there's uh, there's a part of you that uh, wants to just kind of sit back and soak it all in and and appreciate it for what it's worth. But there's another part of you, and you know this, Greg, that you're just you're you're so uh, you're so entrenched and just kind of like the coaches, you're just moving on to the next game. You never really take the time to appreciate how good it's been. So uh, that's something I've tried to reflect on here these last couple of days off is just really enjoying just how much fun this thing has been. Uh, you know, the one, obviously, the one, the fly in the ointment is the loss last year in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Sure. Uh, man, you take that thing out of there, and wow, you've, uh, you are really on a historic run. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, I, you know, when I looked at the, the pre conference schedule this year, uh, I felt 
felt pretty confident in saying that uh, Purdue probably wasn't going to run the table this year in non-conference play. And <laughs> sure enough, I was completely wrong on that if if Purdue can beat Eastern Kentucky Friday. So, uh, yeah, it's been, man, it's been fun. And, uh, of course, winning is always fun. But the, the, just the historic numbers that Purdue's putting up right now are just uh, just been uh, almost unbelievable. If you weren't a part of it, you, you maybe wouldn't believe it. But it's it's been really a, just a ton of fun. Listen, we, we're all going to sit here and say, okay, how – how are Smith and Lawyer better, and, and how's the backcourt better you know, than it was a year ago? Let me go the other direction. It's hard to say be better when you were the you know, consensus national player of the year, but in your estimation, is Zach Eady a better player than he was a year ago? What, what do you see that differentiates him from the already ridiculously high level he played at a season ago? Yeah, it is kind of tough, isn't it, when you're the national player of the year, uh, to be even better the next season, but he has been. There's no doubt about that. Uh, you know, scoring-wise, the numbers are up slightly. He was at, you know, 23 points a game last year. Uh, he's at 24 this year. The rebounding numbers are are down just a little bit, not much, uh, but the block shots are up. Uh, but he's really become a much more polished passer, uh, has Zach Eady, than he's ever been in his four years at Purdue. Uh, unfortunately for him, the numbers don't reflect it because he's uh, he's found a lot of wide open guys on a perimeter that have just missed some open shots, uh, or his assist number would be higher. I think the one thing, though, Greg, for me that sticks out um, is the fact that he is doing his damage this year against the best of the best. Uh, if you look at his numbers across the board through these first 12 games, when Purdue has played a, a mid-major or a low-major team, uh, his numbers have been very mediocre. Uh, quite for in his for his standards for yeah. his standards, but when he has played the best of the best, uh, his numbers have skyrocketed. I mean, uh, thirty five against Alabama, uh, you know, uh, twenty twenty eight and fifteen against Marquette, twenty five and fourteen against Gonzaga. Yeah, and the other thing too is, I was looking at this just yesterday, just kind of messing around, whatever. And of of all of his his best games, if you would, this season. Yeah, all but one of them has come away from Mackey Arena. Uh, he had a 28.11 rebound game against Xavier. That's the only home game where he's really put up monster numbers. So not only is he doing it against the best competition that there is is to offer, he's doing it away from the friendly confines of Mackey Arena. Two, two numbers that normally don't, uh, don't make any sense. Uh, and you know this. We often see guys at this level who put up some really ridiculous numbers. But when you really go back and – and really dissect them, you find that most of their better games came against the lesser competition. Sure. So you're right. They add, they kind of you know padded their stats a little bit, and and more often than not, their numbers are better at home because why? Obviously, you practice there. You're more you're more comfortable with that environment. It's exactly the opposite for Zach Eady. He's playing better against the better teams, and he's playing better away from Mackey Arena. So. That's what I really appreciate him. Uh, he's not putting up these these video game like numbers against lesser competition. He's he's doing it against the best of the best. That's what's made it so really so remarkable for me to watch. As I take a quick glance at the AP Top 25, Purdue is joined by other Big Ten schools. Illinois at number 11, Wisconsin at 23, and obviously the one blemish on the record is at Northwestern back on December the first. Knowing you're about to get back into Big Ten play. As of Tuesday in Maryland, who else in the B1G has your attention right now? Well, I think uh, the two you mentioned in Illinois and Wisconsin. Uh, Illinois, you know, look, you, you mentioned they're number 11. 
Uh, remember now, Purdue plays Illinois right after Maryland on, on the 5th of January. So that's got, I mean, that's going to be a monster game. That's yet another uh, game for Purdue against a team ranked in the top right. 11, which I think will be their fifth of the year already. And we're just now getting into January. Uh, so, yeah, you, you know, that's potential number one versus number 11. Uh, and they're, they're good. They're really good. I've watched them on TV a handful of times. They are. Uh, Terrence Shannon Jr. Just man, is, man, is he? He's first team All American right now in my book. Uh, but I, so I would start with those two. Uh, and, and quite frankly, Greg, I think uh, this is just me talking here, and I could end up being really wrong when it's all said and done. But if you look at Purdue's first three Big Ten games right out of the gate here, coming back to the new year uh, at Maryland, uh, which is a team that the only team in our league that did not lose a home game last year, uh, Maryland was the only Big Ten team that went through the home schedule unblemished in Big Ten play. And they, quite frankly, they, they just, they, they, I wouldn't say they whooped Purdue last year at Maryland, but it, it was pretty close to being a whooping. They were much better than we were. Uh, so that is going to be a tough one right out of the gate. Then the home game with Illinois just talked about. And then Purdue goes to Nebraska, where Purdue has traditionally not had a lot of success. Uh, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head. I'm guessing Purdue is maybe around 500, maybe, uh, at Pinnacle Bank Arena. So those first three games right there out of the gate, at Maryland, home Illinois, at Nebraska, uh, those are three really treacherous games to start league play. Um, I would say this, if Purdue rips off those three games and goes three and zero in that stretch, I would have a tough time believing that anyone's really going to really going to challenge Purdue in the big 10 this year. I think that's just a sign of what's to come. Now, if Purdue stumbles once or twice, maybe three times uh, to open up that schedule in January, then yeah, it's going to be game on for the rest of the league. At least the teams that really feel like they have a shot. So um, yeah, I would, I know you asked me specifically for teams, but I would more I would go more specific and say those first three games when Purdue heads back into Big Ten play, those are really going to be the three that I think I think will set the table for Purdue. Like I said, success in those three, I think you're feeling pretty good about about winning the league, uh, even though you'd only be five games in at that point. But man, you you, you stumble once or twice there, it, it 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 could get awful treacherous all of a sudden. The voice of the Boilermakers, Rob Blackman, our guest, Greg Rakes, running for JMV here on 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Um, while you appreciate the downtime and, and, and getting off the road for a little bit, weird to be turning on bowl games and realizing you don't have one of those to do this year? Yeah, and really felt even more weird watching Minnesota yesterday. Right. Uh, I mean, they're five and seven, uh, and they won. I mean, so you know they finished six and seven. That's a team Purdue beat, <laughs> and and then watching Northwestern a couple of days prior to that win their bowl game. Um, it's so crazy because look, the Big Ten West was not very good. Let's all be very honest here. The Big Ten West division for its final uh, for its final year of existence didn't go out with a bang, but. Those two teams out of the Big Ten West, they won their two bowl games. So I don't know if that says anything for the Big Ten West or maybe the level of competition they're playing in the postseason. But, yeah, it uh, you know, to go four and eight and, and gosh darn, have been so close uh, to feel like you could have won at Northwestern if, if you would have had a Hudson Card play in that game. And quite frankly, you go back to early in the season and, and you look at uh, – uh, produce uh, the early season uh, loss to Fresno State. You felt like, man, if we'd have gotten that one. So, um, yeah, it was. Uh, it feels kind of weird to be watching other teams in a Big Ten competing in postseason play. Uh, however, I would also Purdue fans who remember the last time Purdue was in a bowl game, which is around about this time last year. Uh, let's just say that one didn't go so no. well. Uh, I think the score was like 115 to three or something like that, if I remember correctly. So, uh, yeah, but yeah, yes. Uh, 
to answer the question feels a little bit weird, but I would also throw this in there. I do feel like Ryan Walters has this program headed in the right direction. Uh, just going just gonna to take a little time. Speaking of, of, of bowl games that are coming up, you've been a little busy, but you've been keeping an eye on the on what Jeff Brom did in year number one at his alma mater and knowing that his bowl game's coming up down the, the, the pipeline very soon here. Yeah, I've been paying attention uh, just because I really like Jeff and, and know he took so many of that members of that staff with him, guys that I had gotten known and like I had gotten to know and like very much. So um, maybe the Purdue fans won't like me saying this, but I secretly <laughs> was rooting for Jeff. Uh, again, I always liked him, and and I'm glad he's having success at his ultimate at his alma mater. And quite frankly, uh, I was never a person that was uh, upset with him making that move because I understood why he made the move. And more importantly, yeah, he did. He did exactly what he was what he was hired to do at Purdue, and that was take a football program that was sinking quickly to the bottom of the ocean, <laughs> the deepest ocean on earth, and and get that thing back afloat, and not only afloat but make it competitive again. I mean, he he did win the Big Ten West uh, when he was headed out the door at Purdue, so. I, I was I was never angry with Jeff or you know any hard feelings. I thought he did exactly what, what Purdue paid him to do and uh, got the Purdue football program back on solid footing. And as they say, you know, if your job is to leave it better off than how you found it, well, that that's exactly what he did. A couple quick things, and we'll let you go. I'll get back to to football in a matter of moments. Has it sunk into you yet? Maybe because again, in basketball, you do get to travel a little bit more. Than you do in football, but that you're going to have regular trips to L.A. and Eugene in Seattle and refer to those as, as conference games. Has that really become a reality to you just yet? Not yet. Although I will, uh, I will say this and we were flying home from Honolulu, <laughs> Honolulu to O'Hare is about eight and a half hours, roughly. Right. As long as you have a nice tailwind, which we did. And I was thinking, man, this is a, this is a long trip, but you know, we're going to be doing four and a four, four and a half hour trips. Yeah out west here pretty soon so yeah at about the four hour mark coming home from there i'm like okay now this would be about when we'd be starting our trip home from la uh when we play ucla or or, you know whomever or uh, oregon or whomever so yeah i don't know that it's setting quite yet but uh it's it's crazy from purdue football standpoint purdue only goes west one time next year and it's a non-conference game it's at it's at uh oregon state of all places uh in a non-conference game it's the only time purdue goes west next year uh, in football, but yes, that that's about to start very soon. Obviously, next year with basketball, and uh, it'll it'll uh, it'll add some uh, yeah some some sleepless nights. Unfortunately, taking those red eye flights coming home. Finally, before we let you go, uh, you are clearly one of the foremost experts in all things Purdue athletics. In very much more of a niche, you are also uh, one of Indianapolis's foremost experts on arena football which returns in a couple of years to the new arena that's being constructed up in Fishers. As a guy that made his living for the four years that the Indiana Firebirds were in existence from 2001 through 2004, A, I can't believe it's been 20 years ago, and B, um, just thoughts on thinking there's going to be a, a different level, I acknowledge that, but that arena football is returning to the Indianapolis area in the not-too-distant future. Yeah, I saw that just a couple of weeks ago. I had read a story on that, Greg. And um, look, I was always a big proponent of arena football. I still am. I, I think for the price point, uh, for what it was, uh, if, if you understood as a fan going into it exactly what it was, then you had a hell of a fun time. Now, if you walked in there thinking you were going to see the NFL, then 
you probably walked out disappointed. And, but that's on you. You should have known what you're getting <laughs> yourself into uh, because that arena football is a lot of fun, uh, especially f- f- from a fan-friendly perspective. I would say you it's it's tough to find a sport that's more fan-friendly than that is. So I am happy to see it coming back to uh, coming back to the greater Indianapolis area. Um, so, yeah, I'm, uh, I was actually really excited when I saw that. I actually texted a few old Firebirds buddies and, and let them know that it was coming back here to the area. So, uh, I'm, as I said, I've, I've always been a huge proponent of the Arena Football League uh, in whatever form it is. So, I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased to see it come back. And I'll, I think I'll probably go to a game or two just for the heck of it, just to relive some old memories. Very cool, my friend. Let you go back in hibernation for a couple more days. I appreciate you taking some time. Have fun against the Colonels on Friday night. I'm sure I'll pass across soon. Awesome. Thank you, Greg. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Let's talk a little basketball, shall we? Normally played indoors, at least at the NBA level. Last night was played in Houston, Texas. Pacers win against the Rockets, and that is a good thing. Defense, still optional at times, and that is to some degree the league, but still something the Pacers have to be better at. Talking about that and more from Fieldhouse Files, 1075thefan.com, and occasionally ESPN+. Plus. That would be Scott Agnes that joins us now. Merry Christmas, my friend. How are you? Merry Christmas, my guy. Yeah, the one reason we like basketball, right? You can control the elements. So. Uh, maybe that's why me and you have gotten into more basketball probably than anything. Scotty, I have had a basketball game rained out in the past, by the way. There was a leaky roof that did cost me games. the cases have experienced that as yep, well absolutely. down in New Orleans. There's been rain delay theater uh, at times that have happened as well. Thankfully, <laughs> no such issues like that last night. Again, defense a bit leaky. But they got the win. So so let's let's start with that. The importance of that W last night. It's one of eighty two, I get it. But the overall importance of last night's game was what in your mind? I think I think he's reestablishing themselves. That's kind of what this last week here is before the new year. And not just because entering twenty twenty four, it's because then they face a gauntlet of a schedule coming up next month where uh they even includes a road trip where they head out out west for six in a row so you really got to take advantage of these games to end this week while they can and so uh it was a lot about Tyrese Halliburton kind of uh navigating through his new reality something I'm writing about right now in fact just of the ball pressure and whether it's being from full court or opponents sending to it two on him in the front court those sorts of things and we finally saw Rick Carlisle follow through with some kind of change he's hinted at it about three times this season, and last night changed to the starting lineup, uh, but then they ultimately ended the 
the game with the starting lineup from last year. So very small sample size, but many things for us to discuss and consider. All right, clearly, uh, and, and I've got the example of how Rick coached this team 20 years ago. Uh, and I love Rick's adaptability, uh, how he has changed, how he coaches from two and three decades ago to how he coaches now, because that's the way the NBA has changed. But but if a little bit of that defense from the mid-2000s Pacers creeped in here, that would be a good thing. Is this team capable of being a better defensive team than what they have showed so far this year? I think so. Better, yes. Good, no. But <laughs> certainly better than they currently are and currently exist. Because uh, as it's been all season, it's a personnel problem, first and foremost. Then it trickles down to uh, guys and, and their, their want to, the effort they place on that end of the floor. Do they uh, leak out trying to maximize the offensive end? And, and some of them just aren't great defenders. But you can at least try and make an effort, and that's gotten better, I will say, over the last three games, four games really in particular, well, that, where they have held all four of their opponents below 120 points, which, yeah, if you go back to Rick 10 years ago and say your opponent scored 120, you'd probably chalk it up as an automatic Win, win for the opponent, but not anymore. Now you really need 125, 130 in today's game to register a win, and Pacers scored 123 in last night's win. So um, how apt are the Pacers going to be to make moves come February, knowing that they've, get, they've got the offensive part largely figured out, mm-hmm. but you got to have a defensive piece or two to mix in with those other guys just how flexible, how, what's the potential of this team making a move to shore up the weaker side uh, of the operation? Yeah, and more than just defense, Greg. They just need a six – they need a wing – a player on the wing with some size. It's something they've needed for three, four years, quite frankly, is that six, seven, six foot eight, three or four man who can also defend and, and help at the offensive end. And So like last night, you, you take uh, Aaron Neesmith. He finished the game. He's playing the four. He's going against – uh, you know, Terry Eason, who's 6'11 out there. So he has at least a five-inch difference right there. That's what you, this team, from a personnel standpoint, not, it's not on the players. That has to be shored up. Um, and so I, in terms of what you're looking at here at the upcoming trade deadline, I think there's absolutely an appetite for the Pacers to make a move from their standpoint. The challenge is always, <laughs> is there someone, is there a willing dance right. partner out there? <laughs> I don't fault the Pacers in free agents or yeah, in free agency this past summer, they tried. They tried on draft night. They tried after draft night, leading in um, on the front end of free agency of trying to go get one of those wings that I just talked about, um, and just came up empty. They also have to consider the circumstances. A guy that's maybe in his the final year of his contract. You know, do you is that a player you want to bring in because you know you'll have the upper hand in resigning or? What kind of risk are you willing to tolerate? What if you send out one of your young players and two first-round picks only for that player to be on the fence about being there? So that's the tough part when you're trying to be the Pacers' front office and make moves. But I I think they are and absolutely have to be uh, involved in trying to effort at least a couple moves here because whether it's adding to their roster or just maximizing value based on what they plan to do this upcoming summer, there's a variety of different paths they need and should go towards. I was going to say, have you gotten to the point yet, Scott, where you're, you started to kind of target, hey, it's one thing to want to change, another thing to have a, a dance partner to work with you. So have you gotten to the point yet where you're starting to target and say, hey, 
I think these are the names slash pieces that could be available come trade deadline time. Yeah, the biggest question across the league is what in the world is Toronto doing and going to do? Uh, you know, they have a new head coach this year. They, they blew out Nick Nurse, and he's on to Philadelphia. They wanted to change. Well, are they going to make a change to their roster, whether it's the Pascal Siakam is something very real. I wrote about it this summer. Pacers tried sure. to get him. And at the trade deadline, tried to get OG Ananobi. And the asking price was just far too high, even if I'm – not, I'm not sure anyone believes that the Raptors would have parted ways, even if he really agreed to, say, four first-round picks for OG Ananobi, which I think is an overpay, for example. Like, at what point is OG, who would fill a great need here, uh, and be likable and, and to what the Pacers need. Do you really want to, um, say, be on the hook for him for $40 million a year for, say, the next five years, which very likely might be that contract coming to him this summer? That's the other thing you have to consider here. Now, specifically, I would say that one of those Toronto players, um, uh, and then the other one I keep hearing about in, in his situation is in, over in Utah with Laurie Markin in a right. power forward, an all-star, uh, another player that would come in and immediately help. It seems... You know, it's it's risky, but it seems like that's more likely to be he's more likely to re-sign in Utah. But again, until you really get into mid-January, that's when I think substantive, real conversations start to be had. They, they, uh, you know, the the perspective, the the um, scuttlebutt that all started last week in Orlando at the G League showcase. Nothing will really happen until the end of January, most likely. On the flip side, who are the marketable pieces here? Who are the who are the players to, to to get something of value? You can't just say, "Well, these are the four guys that ain't playing." You can have all four of those guys. Four for one, that works, right? No, that's not the way this works. To get something back, you have to give up something of value. What are the things of value the Pacers have to work with? Of value that would help move a deal along would certainly be someone like Matherin, like Nemhart, uh, your two second year players, right? Um, that have a lot of intrigue and um, present value and future value um and then outside of that it's all team under it's all based on that opposing team and what their needs are right there's probably somewhat of a market for buddy heel however are you going to get ton back knowing he's entering a contract year um but that's also something the pacers have to consider i almost think it's more likely if the pacers come up empty that they do the same thing they did with Miles last year. Renegotiate, extend, a rare thing that they can take advantage of. It gives Buddy more money this year, taking advantage of unused cap space. That's certainly a possibility out there. They talked in the uh, offseason, and the number was just not high enough for Buddy to even consider it. Uh, outside of that, I think the other player with, with good value would be T.J. McConnell. Look, last night in Houston, doesn't even play again. A coach's decision, I think he's far too good of player to be getting coaches' decisions. He, he's an instant energy impact guy um, who hustles. Every team has a need for that. But there's certainly some, some contenders and some, some teams out there with that need that could love the leadership as well. I think it's Charlotte. Um, Orlando could use a point guard like him. Um, but then the, the, the team that's really been after him for almost six months is Phoenix. So I think T.J. McConnell has some value, uh, but certainly nothing that would you know, help move the needle with a, a Pascal Siakam, for example. I was going to say, that that, that would, was my immediate response is, I'm a big fan of T.J. McConnell. He has been a far better player than I ever thought he would be coming to the Indiana mm-hmm. Pacers. So I hate phrasing this next statement back is, what exactly do you get back for a T.J. McConnell? As much as I love him and want to see him stay, and I think even if he's not playing, there's great value in the locker room. If that's a movable piece, 
What exactly are you getting back for T.J. McConnell at this point? Yeah, and Greg, I think that's probably the reason the Pacers have held off to this yeah. point is he has more value when he plays or helps on the bench versus that prospective second-round pick that you know fans are sitting there like, hey, this second-round future second-round pick doesn't help me today. That's right. Uh, you know they don't get excited about that. So realistically, probably a, a future second, maybe another guy who's in a contract year, um, kind of like an experimental type player, like. Jalen Smith was with the Pacers and Phoenix. Remember that trade? Phoenix wasn't going to resign him. They were going to part with him at the end of the year. So the Pacers were able to get something uh, in ret- The other team was able to get something in return there. But uh, again, I think that's more of a maybe we can help him out. We free a roster spot. Then we make another trade down the line. A couple quick things and, and, and then we'll let you go. Um, how big of a topic in other NBA locker rooms? is what's going on with the Detroit Pistons right now. How much of a topic of conversation is this for a guy that, yeah, covers them tangentially for another you know team in the division, but how much of a talking mm-hmm. point is this elsewhere around the NBA? I think it's, it's, it's certainly in the conversation, considering that Detroit in the recent history has kind of been irrelevant. They're relevant right now because of how poor, how awkward, how stunning – this is how Monty Williams got the largest contract right. uh, just as a head coach. Now, I think Popovich has him uh, with perhaps maybe a ba- greater salary, but we know he basically runs basketball operations in large part as well, or at least has significant influence. But from a coaching standpoint, they paid Monty Williams to come here and try to jumpstart this team. They also have some talent, uh, a lot of different individuals there. It just doesn't seem to be the right combination in so, yeah, you, I'm, I'm, you know, Tyrese Halliburton, for example, basketball junkie, he's watching games every night. Now, we haven't we, – very little do you get these side-off conversations like you used to back in the nice days several years ago, especially where you can talk about this stuff quietly or off the record or whatever versus a podium. But, yeah, certainly being in the division where Milwaukee's dominated, uh, a lot of red flags right there. And now I, I will say a local connection, Dan Burke's on that staff. He's been away due to personal reasons – the last couple of months, but I would just think how miserable that situation would seemingly be for someone like him and everybody involved there is they just haven't been able to get that. It reminds me of an Indy car here. Like the first lap, every other team's about 25 games in. The Pistons <laughs> are still trying to jumpstart their car, Greg. That's not good. Uh, the stat that I heard is that the Arizona Diamondbacks have more recently won a game uh, <laughs> than, the, uh, than the Detroit Pistons, and that is far from a good thing. All right, next two up, Bulls and Knicks. And not to overlook those because the Pacers, kind of like the Colts, not a team that can overlook anybody, can beat anybody, can be beaten by anybody on a given night. But let me go ahead and fast forward past those two because mm-hmm. it's the Bucks in back-to-back games next week. What do you expect in those two given how things ended the last time around? <laughs> Yeah, I think there's going to be some tensions. I think there's going to be some back and forth. I would I would be more surprised if officials aren't having to separate a few players. And I'm not even just talking about the game ball situation, game ball gate, whatever you want to call it, which I, we haven't gotten an official answer about, but I don't see, based on the visual evidence, how the Bucks did not get that basketball. Their security guard had it. That's a different conversation because keep in mind, too, during that game, Giannis kind of gave Halliburton an elbow, almost like, hey, I want to knock you down back to earth here. I know you guys went on this big high run of the in-season tournament, including beating the Bucks. Uh, just keep in mind, we're the powers of the East for now type thing. That's kind of what it felt like. And Tyrese, by the way, from the Wisconsin area. Yep. So going back to Milwaukee, always a big game there. Um, and then Boston, who I think 
ever since the beginning of the season has been the best team in the league, assuming they have health with that starting lineup. So uh, <laughs> it's going to be tough. And with Chicago coming up tomorrow, Greg, that team was sputtering, like spinning their wheels here. Now they've certainly got it all together, it seems like, at least in a better form. They've won the four of five. So you can't even chalk that up as, yeah, that's probably a win. Let's go down to New York in the next line. So uh, a lot of issues at hand there for the Pacers right now. Again, Scott Agnes, Fieldhouse Files, 1075thefan.com. What's coming up new on the Fieldhouse Files? What should fans be looking out for? Yeah, I got a Matt Ants game tonight, so I'll probably have something off that. But uh, biggest, bigger thing, um, I have a con- one-on-one conversation with Isaiah Jackson as he's taken on a larger role with the Pacers this season. And then what is Tyrese doing and how does he feel about navigating this, this evolution of any star player, of, of getting and attracting far more attention and what he is trying to figure out. And the short tease and all that is Tyrese jokes how everybody seemingly has the answers. Uh, and he's laughing about that because, you know, he's in it. He knows what he's feeling, um, but he continues to be hearing about what he should and shouldn't do. And he's like, I think I just need to go through this and experience and adapt for myself. Sounds good, my friend. Happy holidays, buddy. Thanks for the time. Always appreciate it. Likewise. Appreciate it, Greg. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Thankfully, uh, that does not apply to Josh Schertz's team because while the Pistons haven't won since the end of October, the Indiana State Sycamores haven't lost since November the 10th. They can keep that streak going back in the resumption of Missouri Valley Conference play. That'll be something because they got Michigan State as their opponent coming up on Saturday afternoon. Head coach of Indiana State, Josh Schertz, going to join us now. Josh, thanks for the time. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you. How you doing, buddy? Hey, Greg, appreciate you having me on. Hope you had a great Christmas. Thank uh, you so much for having me on. Of course, a, a, an 11-day gap, which is rare in college hoops. How much of a break did you give kind of players and staff over these last few days? Well, yeah, I gave everybody I, – I, I was going to Miami, so they got whatever I got. I was, I was the <laughs> king of the break. So I was uh, – but no, we, we played the 19th, and then the guys got out the 20th, and uh, – we went back to practice last night. I didn't want to bring him back on Christmas. So um, we kind of shortened the prep uh, four days, you know, once a day here, 26, 27, 29, going in. So tight turnaround, but felt like, you know, we, you know, the, it, it, we had a long run there, long runway from August all the way through. And so I want to get the time to kind of fill the cup back up, refresh, rejuvenate. Because, um, so 12 years in, you still got two thirds of your sitting in front of you. So, uh, so it's a long road to hoe, and I know they work hard. So guys came back pretty good shape, and you know we'll be ready to go Saturday for sure. All right, eleven and one, and a ten game winning streak. So, I, I know coaches don't think like this. Fans, media guys tend to do. What were your expectations for this group going into the season, and are you farther ahead 
than what you had, what you thought you would have been going into the new year. Yeah, you know, it, it's one of those things, you know, I think that's necessary. I mean, look, if you told me before the season, hey, you're going to play this schedule, you're going to be 11-1 and one through 12, I, I certainly signed up for it. Uh, no question. I think we had a group where, you know, we lost over 80% of our scoring from last year. Uh, you know, our top three scorers all graduated. But we knew we had some good pieces back. We thought we did really well in the portal. Um, you know, we had some guys in the portal. We felt good in the portal. But we have the new players. We have nine, nine or thirteen scouted players are new. Right. So uh, when you when you have that much turnover, there's a question of how. To... Oh, and so, you know, that's I'm going to jump in here, unfortunately, because as you can tell, uh, I I know where the men's basketball office is. It might be where Josh is calling me from, the basement or the bowels of the Holman Center, because the connection is not going well. I was trying to give that as much as I could. I was able to make out like most syllables. Once we got to a certain point, that wasn't working. <laughs> so uh, we're letting him get to a, a little bit of higher ground, a, a little bit of better area, wherever the case may be. Because obviously, I want to try to keep that conversation going. Because frankly, his team is worth talking about, and not just because of the nostalgic walk down memory lane that is the game against Michigan State coming up on Saturday. But again, this is shaping up to be a really good year for the mid major in the state of Indiana. Indiana State's really good. All states having a good run. Evansville in the Valley, as well as Indiana State. David Raglan has them going, doing great things. Purdue, Fort Wayne. John Kaufman's done some good things up in Fort Wayne. So this is a situation where there are several stories like this. When frankly, the, the the top of the charts of the Sycamores, we're going to give Josh Shirts take number two. Coach, you still with me? Yeah, I am with you. I'm sorry, I was in the Holman Center, so you know. It's- Signal, obviously, dicer than what I'd hoped. Well, the thing is, that thing was built in the days when you had bomb shelters. That is one. That's good to know you're in a safe place uh, in in case you ever need it. So, all right, now let's get to talking about some of those guys in the portal. And and I know a little bit about Isaiah Swope because he played for Stan down at USI. What has Isaiah meant to your group making the jump up to the Valley this year? He's been fantastic. You're talking about a guy who's one of the, uh, you know, I think in my, my years doing it, 26 years now, He's probably uh, the best scorer, pure scorer, I've coached. Can do it all three levels. Has the ability to, you know, score off the dribble. Can uh, can shoot with range. He gets to the rim. His mid-range game uh, and the efficiency with which he does it is terrific. And he's an underrated defender. I mean, he's, I think he's second in the league in steals as well. As I'm looking at your overall stats. You're averaging attempting 25 threes a game. is right. and, and, again, that's obviously a, a big part of modern basketball. It's not exactly new at this point. Is there a certain number you want your guys to take during the course of a 40-minute game? You know, I, I no, there's really not. I mean, the way I view shots is we try to hunt the rim uh, every possession. You know, if you look at our team last year, we love the country in two point percentage. And, uh, you know, and, and so it always starts with trying to hunt the rim and play through paint attacks, play through paint touches, and then play behind those. If you can't get the rim, you're trying to get fouled. If you can't get fouled, 
you certainly hope uh, if you've done that, you can generate spot threes. And then, you know, the, the really the fourth area that we talk about is, is what we would call mastery shots, which are, you know, like Isaiah Swope's ability to shoot off the dribble from 28 feet, you know. <laughs> uh, that's not something that, that, you know, most guys can do. But we call that a mastery shot, something that he does at an incredibly high level and makes it at a high enough level that for him, uh, that's an efficient shot. Cooper Nice had the little uh, one-legged uh, mid-range, you know, you know, 180. He did last year. He made it a high clip. So you accommodate uh, that. But the way we, we, we play offense is always starting with the rim, uh, free throws, and then trying to generate spot threes. And it's really what the defense, you know, what the defense is giving you. How are they playing you, you know. And every game's a little bit different relative to, you know, there's games we probably take 35 threes or 40 threes. There's games we might only take 15. But it really is trying to figure out how you're being played and then, and then what the solution is to, to what you're seeing. So did Robbie Avila enjoy the, uh, the college Jokic comparison he got from the Indianapolis Star the last couple of days? I, I, I definitely think he enjoyed that. He's, uh, uh, you know, I think that's a, that's a you know, obviously, uh, you know, that, that's, a, that's a really heavy uh, and very uh, high uh, level, uh, you know, compliment for him. Uh, you know, to be compared to guys, yeah, a two-time MVP. But, you know, there are some similarities relative to, you know, neither guy, you know, probably looks like uh, <laughs> a Greek god. Um, neither guy, you know, uh, is very athletic. And they both, um, you know, they both really can dominate a game with their skill and their intelligence. And I think that's the part, like with Robbie, it's, you know, obviously he's got great skill as a basketball player, but his basketball IQ matches the skill and and that's where like a, a you know if there's a comparison obviously he's got a long way to go but if there's a comparison it's that it's it's, it's two guys that have great size that are immensely skilled and then and then they have this really almost a point guard ability you know to to direct an offense understand where everybody's supposed to be understand you know the, the older you know the big guys you know here you know in in in, in recent times you know, they were back to basket, bang, you know, post up and and uh, this kind of more modern big, almost like a point center. Um, and it's not just Jokic. He's obviously the most prominent one, but Sabonis with the Kings, uh, uh, you know, uh, even Adebayo with, with the Heat. I mean, et cetera. There's a, there's a bunch of them. Uh, that's kind of kind of the new wave. And, and Robbie's a guy that, uh, you know, we're really fortunate. There's not many guys in college that have his mix of size at 6'10", skill, and then and then the intelligence that, that he brings to the position. Folks, to put this in perspective, Robbie's taking three threes a game. He's making 47%. He's also second on the team in assists, and in terms of a per-game basis, he is the leader in assists per game for Indiana State mm-hmm. at, at 4.2 per contest. So, um, you know, for, for a lot of the big boys, you kind of have this weekend, this one non-conference game before you get back into league play that's clearly the case for you but it's kind of going in the opposite direction uh tell me how this game with the obvious history between the two schools how this game with michigan state come about you know it was funny we were we were scrambling to try to get a game we actually coming out of christmas we wanted a home game so we were trying to get somebody to come to the holman center and we were trying to you know find somebody we thought we had this thought we had that uh, then we were okay with going on the road because we couldn't. And so it was going. And Michigan State actually, uh, um, the guy who does their scheduling, called Matthew Graves and said, "Hey, uh, you know, would you guys be interested in coming to East Lansing?" And of course, 
the next question is always, well, you know, how much? <laughs> right. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, it was, it was, you know, it's a significant amount of money, the hundred thousand yep. dollars. And, uh, for our program. So I, you know, when, when we looked at it, said, okay, um, you know, the date fits and then what a great opportunity, you know, like, I mean, that game hasn't been played since, you know, in, in almost in 45 years, we knew, uh, how good Michigan state was going to be. Um, they weren't, you know what they are now early but we knew hey this is like a top five team coming out of christmas right before league play and you know it, it's a, it's a game that really kind of revolutionized college basketball right i mean it, it's still in a lot of ways i know there's been a lot of great basketball played but it's still maybe the iconic game yes. for college basketball right i mean 44 45 years later like that's still an iconic game and so when, when we looked at it in totality uh the opportunity um, what it meant for us financially, uh, the date fit. And then, you know, we thought, you know, what a great kind of bookend our, our non-conference, you know, Alabama at Alabama, <laughs> Michigan State to Michigan State, two great benchmarks for us to kind of challenge ourselves with the team, see where we are. And then you go into Missouri Valley play, which, you know, you know, well, is, is as challenging as any, any, any mid-major, mid-major plus league in the country. Of course. A couple of quick things, and then we'll let you go. I realize your concern is your team is the scout, not the pregame show, hype, pomp, <laughs> circumstance, et cetera. But I'm asking you the right. question anyway. Anything mm-hmm. special they're going to do for the game on Saturday afternoon? Or, hey, it's special if you get to play Michigan State. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to do anything, you know, from our end. I mean, you know, like I told our guys, there's going to be a lot, uh, a, a lot surrounding it. There's a lot of hype with the game because, you know, and, and in a good way, you know, we're, you know, we're 11 and one, and that's a, that that's created some interest and attention, which is always a, you know, for a program like ours, Indiana State, um, you know, it's really special because we don't always. Sure. It's easy for us to fly under the radar, right? I mean, there's so many great programs and teams and everything here in the Indianapolis market. It's hard to, to fight, and so you got to do well. So. That aspect's been great, and then obviously Michigan State with the team they have. But I don't know if there's anything specific they're doing. I heard that uh, uh, Magic will be back in the building. I, I, I have not heard uh, if, if, if uh, Larry Bird is going to make it back. Uh, I, I haven't heard that he has, so I'm assuming not. But I heard that Magic will be there. And, you know, national TV game um, against, you know, I think, you know, at the moment, you know, certainly one of the top five to ten teams in America. Um, you know, that that's really special for us, for our team. And and if you're a competitor and and uh, uh, you have to love these kind of challenges, these kind of opportunities, and a, a really hard place to play against an unbelievable team with an iconic coach, it's uh, doesn't get much better than this for our basketball program. And the thing is, you know, you got the horses to compete. You know, that's the case going in because you got a pretty special group yourself, buddy. We'll let you go. Thanks for the time on short notice, my friend. Have a safe trip best of luck this weekend and all valley season long we'll talk soon thanks so much greg appreciate having me on thanks of so course. much have a great one life is full of things to manage your work your family your plans and your treatment consider kesimpta ofatumumab 20 milligram injection you can take it yourself from the comfort of home if you're ready for something different ask your healthcare provider about kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation.
Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Josh Schertz, head coach of Indiana State, joining us in the previous segment, and a guy that knows a thing about mid-major basketball. In addition to the National Football League is Joe Wrights, of course, much like yours, truly a part of the Colts Radio Network. Happy holidays, my friend. How you doing? Likewise, Rake. It's uh, great to talk to you, and um, yeah, wish you a very Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to you and yours. You are of the age where you are assembling gifts overnight to have them, you know, be Santa approved for the kids. So how late were you and the missus up on Christmas Eve into Christmas morning, making sure everything was put together properly underneath the tree? Well, I tell you what, we got a surprise. We were at my parents for Christmas Eve and came home, and Santa had come. I think Rudolph <laughs> came early with the fog. So about 9.30, we opened up all the presents, and the kids were juiced up. So it was about 11.30, and Joe and I looked at each other, and we said, well, we just, we'll just roll to midnight mass. So we did that, and uh, 50% of the kids stayed awake throughout of it. So it was, it was a lot of fun, a lot of joy as always. But uh, I, I tell, you know, other parents, and obviously you know this as well, it's like, Going to Europe in the NFL, you need a bye week after the Christmas season for sure. <laughs> I haven't got one of those yet. I think next week. I think I get, I, I, I get one of those, and uh, and and I have age out of that in terms of having to put together things at like two or three in the morning on Christmas Eve. We have gotten past that stage of life, and I'm and I'm not too broken up about it. We will get to talking about the Colts in a second, but again, um, I, I just talked about Indiana State playing at Michigan State coming up on um on saturday afternoon so let's talk about your bronco days shall we what was the coolest place you got to play while playing for steve hawkins in kalamazoo yeah great question we got to play in assembly hall my junior year and that was obviously a special treat for me uh, especially being from indiana and that was back when iu wasn't great and we actually had a halftime lead you remember those iu fans will know lance stemler was their four man but the second half they went small Wilmot played the four and, and we couldn't guard him keeping out of the paint but I was a lot of uh, one-on-one battles with DJ White so that was probably my most special uh, memory but uh, you know we got to play in Alaska we got to play in the Rainbow Classic which just tipped off here in Hawaii so we got to do a lot of special things under Coach Hawk and you mentioned Indiana State uh, we played them twice when I was there lost both games by two both games we probably should have won and I can't say much more, Greg, than there may have been some damage to a whiteboard uh, over there in Terre Haute. I don't know if we ever got an invoice from it in Kalamazoo, but it wasn't a great performance for us, and there might have been a little bit of carnage in the visitors' locker room. That that damaged whiteboard might still be in place, frankly, uh, in the Holman Center, <laughs> uh, even even with the renovations that ha- that have taken place there. So, all right, let's get to talking about uh, all things National Football League, and I guess since the game is now three days removed, let's make this more present tense. Braden Smith was a full participant. Again, it's a walkthrough, so it's an estimate. But if you're listed as a full participant on Wednesday, I think that bodes well for Sunday. The return of Braden to the lineup means what for the O-line and the offense? Oh, it's huge. And, and I'm with you. The first thing I did was check the injury report today. Saw him full on Wednesday. That's a really good sign. Because you think, you know, Freeland, he's been up and down, but he's a rookie. And, and you can't expect him to come out there and play at the same level as you would 
Smith alignment, but obviously the Raiders are bringing in two really good edge rushers. People know Max Crosby, and he's awful good, but Kuntz on the other side had three sacks last week. we got to be able to hold up better in pass protection. I thought, really, that might have been our worst game in terms of protection. Atlanta's rushers were just going speed to power, and they were really just kind of pushing our tackles back in the pocket, and there was no room for Minshew to go. So pass protection is going to be a huge part of this game on Sunday, and obviously if Braden Smith can play, that that's a really big boost for that Colts offensive line. The I realize it's a combination of both of these things when, when I ask you this question, but how much of, of, of the Colts' offensive struggles were not having Braden Smith, how much of it was Michael Pittman Jr. on Sunday as well? I think both. Those are your, two of your top offensive guys, and you know our receivers didn't catch many balls. It was the tight ends and it was the running backs. So we can get Pittman back and we can get Smith back. That's really big because bottom line, it, it's a win in your end scenario. I know there's a bunch of situations and there's the what if that the Colts could win two games sure. and still might not get. But Cincinnati's going to lose one of their next couple games. Bottom line, the Colts win these two games at home. They're in the playoffs, and for me, it, it's a little bit of deja vu and Colts fans as well. A couple of years ago, you're in the same situation. <laughs> right. Two games to go, you're playing Oakland at home. You drop that game, and then we lay the egg down in Jacksonville. So I would expect that the uh, key leaders in that locker room are going to be reminded of fellas what happened a couple of years ago, and maybe we can exact some revenge uh, that's been pent up for a couple of years at Lucas Oil Sunday at 1 o'clock. Well, Joe, let's face it. Uh, uh, you know, the, the key pieces, I'm, I can name names. There's 10 to 12 guys, shows you the turnaround of the National Football League, 10 to 12 guys that were key pieces of that team two years ago. But for the most part, it's a different team. Clearly, it's a different coaching staff. Um, but but so many guys were not a part of that two years ago. So how and much does that get brought up in the locker room this week? It'll be some, but I think it's more about the vets this time of year to talk to the young guys and let them know that this is playoff football. And I always felt like, when you go into a playoff game, you don't just want to change up your routine. Do what got you there, but you got to be sharper. You got to be sharper in practice. You got to be sharper in film study. I didn't feel like we had that sharpness that we've had most of the year Sunday in Atlanta, and clearly that showed. But we got to be just more mentally engaged, in my opinion. If we do that, and if we play with our hair on fire like we have been most of the season, I think we'll be just fine. And I think it's a credit to the leaders in that locker room. It's credit to Shane and his coaching staff that they're in a position, but you got to get greedy now. Playoff opportunities don't come every year, and the tendency, I think, for a young guy to think, oh, you know, every year we're going to be mixed for the playoffs. It just doesn't happen like that in the NFL, so you got to strike when the time is now, and I'm excited because we got two home games, two very winnable games, and they're both at Lucas Oil. We need to have that 12th man rock in these next couple Sundays and give us a home field advantage, boost this team into the playoffs, because that would just be a great story to the season. What are your expectations from the Raiders coming in again? They they have playoff hopes. They're, they are faint ones. A lot of things has to happen, but they just won against their big rivals in Kansas City. Clearly they're playing to try to keep Antonio Pierce as the man in charge of that team. What are your expectations from the visitors coming up on Sunday afternoon? Yeah, Pierce is doing a great job, and clearly those guys want him to be the head coach. They're playing like it. They're playing for him. But I think we're getting Oakland at a good time. I mean, a couple weeks ago, they put up 63. They got Staley fired out in L.A. Then they go and they beat the Chiefs. And, Greg, you know, when you put together two good performances in a row, it gets harder to put that third one or harder to put that fourth one. Everybody's talking about, wow, it's crazy. Baltimore went in and beat San Fran. And I was trying to tell people they won seven games in a row. And when that happens, it gets harder and harder to win the next one. So I think we'll clearly – 
Oakland, sorry, Vegas should have our attention because they played well and they put good things on tape. But I do think we're getting them at a good time. And if I'm the Colts after that just debacle in Atlanta, you can't wait to get out on the field and you can't wait to play. Sunday can't come soon enough for our guys. We'll be ready. We'll be chomping at the bit. When when you look around the National Football League, and I, and I spit this stat out earlier, there are 18 teams with two weeks left to go that have a chance to finish a game above or a game below 500 as a guy that's lived it. What does that tell you about the National Football League right now? That the, the happiest person is Roger Goodell because that's what the NFL wants. They want everybody to go eight, eight, and one. They want the ultimate parity. The NFL is set up like that with the salary cap, with the draft compensatory picks, all of those things. And I just think it makes it exciting because, to your point, you got 20 fan bases right now that sure. are thinking playoffs, and that makes football awful fun. And for the Colts, the great thing is they control their own destiny. They still do, even after last week. And that's what we don't have to worry about other people. We just got to focus on us, and things will take care of itself, and we'll be playing that second weekend in January. On the flip side, and again, we'll throw the Colts out of this discussion being in the middle of that. Who strikes you as being really good in the National Football League? Like, obviously, because of the holiday, because of the teams, because of Monday Night Football, a lot of the nation had their eyes focused on Ravens and Niners on Monday night. And, man, the Ravens looked the part. And that also continues this amazing Colts trend of beating a potential Super Bowl team because I think the Ravens kind of looked that good on Monday night. So, as again, as somebody that's lived it, as you look around the National Football League, who catches your attention and goes, hey, man, those guys are going to be a tough out, whether it's the Colts playing or not in the playoffs? Yeah, I think tier one for me is Baltimore and San Francisco. I think they're just a cut above everybody else. That next round, you could throw Dallas in there. You can throw Philly in there. I know Detroit won the division. You know, I know Miami. But I think when you're a team that hasn't been in the playoffs year in and year out, it's harder. And so when I look at the AFC, outside of Baltimore, I think it's pretty jumbled up in there. I know Miami is good and they're talented. And Kansas City's reeling, but you can't count them out. But if you're the Colts and you get into the tournament, who do you not want to play? I mean, you beat Baltimore on the road who's the best team in the AFC, and I think that's what's exciting. And what's exciting about the NFL is you just got to play well for three hours. And I think the NFL, it's just like March Madness. You don't have to be the best team. You don't have the best body of work. You just got to get hot at the right time. And we've seen that year in and year out in the NFL. And so that's what's exciting for the Colts. And the Colts have played well on the road. I would argue they've played better outside these last couple games on the road than at home. And so that should give them some confidence, too, that you get into the playoffs you're not as worried about going on the road because they've had a lot of success there so far this season. Again, Joe writes a couple of quick things, and, and then we'll let you go. Again, with the college basketball route, not the college football route, I'm not sure if you you know, you know actually have like a real job and, 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 and kids to raise and things like that. As I've been having this conversation with you over the course of the show, I've been watching the Military Bowl, which I think is played in Annapolis at Navy, and it's featuring Virginia Tech and Tulane, and there is a full-on monsoon that is coming down so if i gave you the option to go back and play college football and play in a bowl game but it would come down in the remnants of like a tropical storm would you like to go back and play in a college football bowl game a hundred percent and here's why greg as an offensive lineman you want it as nasty as it can be if it was rain if it was snow if it was 30 degrees that's all great for me because that means that the defense is moving a little bit slower and gives me a little bit better chance of hopefully keeping those defensive ends off the quarterback all right i have forgotten your retirement year you just missed the buffalo game or are you still playing in 17 when that happened 
I missed it. I retired in 16. So I, thought, I was yeah. actually watching. The, I, I went to the Pacer game that day because they played the same day. I was watching that game at a bar with one of my buddies, and I can remember thinking, man, this game would be so fun to play with. And instantly after the game, I was texting our O-line group chat, and they were saying all the same thing. They said, hey, if you were on both feet, you got a positive play for the day. It was all about you said to stay on two feet. I mean, it's an easy and a fun game to play as a lineman because you really can't screw up too bad. So, but but I did just miss that one in Buffalo. That's what I thought, Joe. It's always a pleasure, buddy. Well, I'll, I'll see you on Sunday. Thanks for the time and happy holidays. All right, thanks, Ray. Appreciate it. Life is full of things to manage: your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta Ofatumumab twenty milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. For a final time today, let's go to the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. It is Kyle Nederip that joins us. Now, um, I kind of have an idea where you're going to be on Saturday because, you know, you're working and you're a dad. Uh, and I'll get to that in a second. What is your basketball schedule like before we get to Saturday? Well, I'm, I'm figuring that out hour by hour. So, I'm, uh, <laughs> no, I, I think probably tomorrow I'm definitely going to hit North Central uh, for a good chunk of the day and then most likely uh, Fishers on uh, Friday and then maybe somewhere else Friday. I'm not totally sure yet, but uh, definitely want to hit both those spots. And I think that's the order I'm probably thinking to go as of right now. All right, so I've got North Central, so I'll see you tomorrow because usually – about a 50-50 shot that Kyle and I see each other every game uh, that we go to uh, at this point. <laughs> then on Friday, I've got to work in an IUPUI game, and then I'll head over to Newcastle for the evening session for the Girls Hall of Fame Classic. And then I'll be hanging out on Saturday. And I know you touched on this in, in your column, I think that was posted earlier today, if not yesterday, basically saying that there's so much in the way of holiday traffic that tends to be Wednesday, Thursday, Friday this week. Hall of Fame on the boys, that's almost a standalone, which is a good thing given the talent that they have in the field. And I know you're gonna, you're slightly partial to Brownsburg since your son could be getting some minutes uh, for Coach Lynch uh, on Saturday. So what is that feeling like? You know, there's journalistic integrity and there's, oh, yeah, being a dad. What's that like covering the game in which your son's actually playing? Well, it's weird. I don't uh... – you know, there hasn't been a whole lot of, uh, you know, uh, crossover as far as that. And it's something I don't even think about, to be honest with you. Know, I'm so busy with my own stuff. And then, you know, my wife will video uh, a lot of the games. I don't even get to go to many of them, but uh, but I'll get to watch them later and, and, and do that sort of thing. So, you know, I say, like, my schedule is my schedule and, and you know, his schedule is his schedule. And, and uh, sometimes we'll cross over, which uh, which is good. But I, I, I've probably seen other people's kids more than my own. <laughs> so, you know, that's uh, sort of part of it. It's a job you sign up for, you know what I mean? So it's just that's part of it. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I expect that will be a, a great tournament. And after seeing Kokomo, I know you got a chance to see him last yep. week too, but, you know, a lot of people ask, 
you know, what's wrong with them after the Fishers game? And I, and my reply was kind of like, well, how many times is Flory going to shoot three times in a game? Probably never again. Um, and I thought, you know, I, I didn't see all of the Kokomo tournament, but, uh, but I thought, man, I, I, they've they've kind of bounced back like we expected or like I thought they would and I think they're going to be a handful uh, to be honest with you on Saturday I think they've got all the pieces and and they're really really good and uh you know if they're if they're playing they're a team to me that's going to get better and better uh throughout the season which a lot of teams do but there's there's some new pieces on that team too that haven't been in this position before so that that kind of that kind of makes me think they're going to be much better, and, and and the Rogers kid too. I mean, he's he's definitely come a long way. So I'm looking forward to seeing them, and I think Attics is really good. I think Brownsburg is is has been good uh, at times, and I think they're another team. I think that can get a lot better, uh, and then Brownstown, of course, and I think beyond Jack Benner. Uh, they're a very, very good team, regardless of class. So it's a really good field. I mean, it really is. And but you know, having recency bias of just seeing Kokomo, I'm like, man, that's a really good team. I think, and I think people uh, who saw the the game against Fishers may have got the wrong impression on who they are exactly. Well, I, I think Fishers is also really good, and and and, yeah, we, will, a, yep. and we will get to them come out of a matter of moments. But but my overwhelming thought uh, leaving Kokomo, and and Kyle was there on Friday. I was there. For a couple of games each of those two days, you know, and understandably so. You know, there has been such an Indianapolis dominance of of, of 4A and, and boys basketball, and even though Kokomo is an hour north, we almost kind of lump them in uh, because of the schedule in which they play. But South Bend Riley was very impressive to me. I loved watching Jeffersonville play a group that was largely juniors with with a senior point guard. And so to me, like last year, I loved the 4A season because it was, could anybody beat Ben Davis? And Ben Davis was so generationally good. Well, now this year, it's because I think there's 7, 10, 12, 15 really good 4A basketball teams. Nobody's good as, as Ben Davis was last year, but there's a lot of really good teams, and they seem to be spread out all across the state. I'm looking forward to seeing Harrison for the first time. They were they've gotten one loss. It was to Jeff, you know, earlier this year by by three points. I think this is a year with not just parity, but kind of like six A football. Several really good teams across the state. Are you kind of getting that impression from four A about at the you know one third mark of the season? Yeah, I agree. Lake Central is another one I'm curious to see that has started out uh, really hot up in that in the northwest sure. part of the state. So, uh, yeah, and I agree. Jeffersonville, to me, you know, having watched them last week, I'm like, man, that, that's a team that can that can beat a lot of Central Indiana. They, they seem like a Central Indiana team to me, and I'm, that, I'm meaning that as a right. as a compliment to them. Um, you know, I think they I think they were very good. The record the record is I I think a little bit uh, misleading at five and three. Uh, because of some of the turnover, and I talked to Sharon Wilkerson about that a little bit. He said, you know, turnovers have been a problem. It's it's just partly us, you know, not, uh, you know, they just need to be better in that area, uh, being a little lackadaisical with the ball. But, you know, having watched them play, I'm like, I don't really understand why, you know, that's been the case. So I think that's something they can get figured out. Uh, but they've got the size of Singleton. They've got, I'd really like P.J. Douglas uh, attacking the basket like he was and, you know, like you said, they've got a point guard in Rose there who can who can distribute and also shoot. So just a lot of really good pieces. And Michael Cooper went off a couple of games there at Kokomo. Uh, but yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think it's a year where you know it's it's uh, you know Franklin in the South. Yep. You know, some of the Center Grove in the South. You know, there's some really good teams that are you know 
consider Central Indiana, but will be coming from that area that are really good, uh, that will be battling teams like Jeffersonville and, and uh, you know, some of those teams down south, like Evansville-Harrison you mentioned. Evansville-Wrights is a team I'm looking forward to seeing uh, as well. So, yeah, there's it, it seems like a pretty well spread out. Even with, within Central Indiana, it's pretty well uh, spread out. I think uh, – you know, Fishers and Lawrence North to me have probably been the best of the bunch, but I don't know if there's a huge wide gap from game to game necessarily either. Uh, like they're, you know, looking back at it, you know, last year I think really was probably the case. If Ben Davis was playing their best, uh, especially when they put that press on, there right. was nobody that could beat them. But uh, I don't sense that this year. All right, you're not supposed to be the best team in the state when you lose your best player two years early. How is Garrett Weininger and Fishers getting this done without Jalen Harrelson? You know, it's a weird thing because he was such an unselfish player. It wasn't like uh, right. he, he was he was leading the team in assists. He was he would get he wasn't dominating shots. You know, it, so it wasn't him. You know, so it's a weird thing to look at that and be like, well, you know, you might think it's just well you take him out and everybody shares it better, but but he was. He's very good at sharing the basketball. So it's it's. I do wonder if you look back and and you put uh, Cooper Zachary on this year's team, or on last year's team, how much that would have helped them. You know, because maybe they needed one more ball handler type of player uh, with him in that group. And also those guys are just a year older. You know, they're just a year older uh, even without him. So it doesn't. Sometimes basketball doesn't completely make sense. A lot of it's the chemistry and you know how teams play together, uh, and it's just being I think a year more experienced. I, and I think that's just a lot of it. I don't think it has much to do with, with Jalen Harrelson, uh, you know, dominating the ball too right. much or whatever. But but I do sense there's just a, it's, it's a, it's a team that really fits together. You've got, you know, guys who've come in, Jason Gardner Jr. and Cooper Zachary, who are freshmen who don't play like freshmen. I think John Anthony Hall's been a lot better uh, player this year. Uh, you're more experienced. And Keenan Gardner, I, I mean, honestly, he is he's taken another step completely that – that I think maybe people didn't really know he could get to. So, you know, it's all those things combined. And Tate and Metzger obviously can really shoot it. They've got some good pieces off the bench. Uh, they're very deep, and they, they like to press. I mean, that's and I think that's something that, you know, you don't see a lot of teams do is just full-court press uh, like they do constantly. And, and that's a style that, you know, they've wanted to play for a while, and they've got the pieces to do it this year and the depth to do it this year. So, you know, all of those things, I think, contribute to that and I just think they're you know it's it's a, like I said a team that fits together really well and you know we'll see what level they can get to I think there's a few teams out there that are going to get a lot better as the year goes along and and you know we'll see if Fishers does too because they're already playing at a really high level again Kyle Nenrip Indianapolis star all things high school hoops obviously it's holiday tournament time uh, action at North Central both Thursday and Friday a lot of great teams Hall of Fame Classic for the girls on Friday. Hall of Fame Classic for the girls or the boys on Saturday. Um, I'm a little partial to those two events because we have those on the ISC Sports Network. The field at Fishers is really good. Jeffersonville and Riley, who played in Kokomo, are playing each other uh, in that event at Fishers, uh, which uh, which starts tomorrow and goes through Friday as well. You reference Brownstown Central. A couple of showcase events for the uh, for the Braves, and Jack Benner has not played. Didn't play because of a knee injury uh, against Lawrence North. Missed time last week at the uh, at the big small school event down in North Davies. Any word on whether we will see him coming up on Saturday? Well, I'm really hoping so because that would be a, a big downer, obviously, if not. And 
you know, these events are for that reason is to get those those uh, big name players in, the, in playing in those games. And, you know, I honestly haven't had a chance to look into it any further than than knowing he missed uh, that championship game. So, you know, I'm, I'm they are a good team. You know, I will say Agreed. without him. Um, better than people realize, I think. Um, you know, and they'll have something. Uh, I'm sure in the in the game plan um, if, if he can't go. But uh, but obviously you lose a guy like that who's such a. Yeah, I hope he does play so people from a statewide perspective can see he's he's more of a distributor uh, than he gets credit for. He's a great passer, you know, and and a, and obviously can really knock down shots and just a good basketball player. And uh, you know, hopefully he's able to go. Uh, you know, that would be disappointing if not. But uh, if not, I think we're still going to see him obviously uh, down the road, and they're going to be a handful. Uh, in their in their uh, class and in their sectional, so you know. Although you know, man, they, their sectional, you, you don't sleep on Providence, man. Right. That that team that and and they're very well coached. They play exceptionally hard. I know Brownstown beat them once this year, but uh, if I didn't have to cover sectional up here, I'd love to see that <laughs> game because I know it's going to be a, a tough one. But, uh, but yeah, man, I hope uh, I hope Jack can go this weekend. No doubt about that, Kyle. I will see you at uh, North Central tomorrow. I'm sure at Newcastle on Saturday. Happy holidays. My my friend, I'll see you soon. You bet. Thanks for having me on, Greg. Hey, fans, want new flooring and want it now. March is the time to buy it floors to your home. Right, Brian Con? It really is, JMV. We have the state's largest selection of new flooring in stock. And we've just received additional truckloads of new hardwood, laminate, and waterproof flooring. So we're marking everything down. Brian, I'm looking at some of your incredible deals. We always sell up to 50% off those big box stores. But for a limited time, you can get new flooring starting at just 80 cents a square foot. 80 cents a square foot? That's incredible. That's three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof starting under $350 at Floors to Your Home. And you can get it right now. We have over 1,200 styles in stock. Floors to Your Home is the place for the lowest prices anywhere in Indiana. I'm doing my whole house. Three very convenient locations. Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who has the lowest prices on flooring? Floors to Your Home. That's who.